0: Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count.
1: And I'm Mischievous Marcinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals do not count.
0: Well, welcome, everybody, to The Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man horror comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review
1: episode of The Amazing Spider-Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. So this is the perfect time to start listening. Today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Strange Tales number eighty-two by Jack Kirby and Stanley. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It just felt like that, or maybe the Dickos. Who did Dicko do Strange Tales, or was it um, was that Kirby? I'm trying to remember my monster books from from yesteryear, Dan.
0: I'm pretty sure that's Kirby.
1: Okay. Anyway, what we're actually going to be discussing is Amazing Spider-Man Volume Five, Number eighty-two, entitled Beyond Chapter Eight. This issue was written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Jorge Fornés, colors by Dan Brown, with a cover with a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez. Letters of course are by VCs Joe Caramanga. and this issue was first released on December 22nd, 2021, which means we're getting ever so closer to catching up, Dan. But before we do that, why don't we talk a little bit about what happened in this very interesting comic? <laughs> What's new?
0: Yeah. Have we had an issue of Amazing Spider-Man other than like Amazing Spider-Man 700 released this close to Christmas before?
1: I I, I don't recall. Although we're gonna have two <laughs> that we're gonna be talking about in the next couple hours, Dan. Not for Beyond. We gotta make we gotta make this count.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into my summary of Amazing Spider-Man Volume Five, Number 82, and what a summary it's going to be. now that he's awake peter parker is relocated to a new hospital room and greeted by a series of roommates who one by one go missing as the strange orderly that's overseeing them lies about their whereabouts citing quote unquote special circumstances mary jane promises peter that she's going to look into it however the orderly comes for peter calling him nosy he increases peter's medication and takes peter to the elevator deeper into the hospital to a quote-unquote special place. That turns out to be a decommissioned operating room where the orderly reveals himself as a carnivorous monster that's been feeding on the patients of the hospital in the dark. MJ suddenly appears and uses the light from her cell phone to burn the monster. The two fight, but MJ is able to turn the lights on and incinerate the monster as Peter passes out. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the Manhattan sewers, The team of Colleen Wing and Misty Knight, our favorite two heroines, are on a mission from Maxine Danger. They find their target, the Lizard, who, I guess, is back to his animalistic form. I mean, who can really keep up with this guy's status quo at any moment? It's the Lizard. He's doing something new. Okay.
1: Sigh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sigh, and that is Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 82. Mark, before we really get into this, I thought we should talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 80.bey, which was like a like 499 really hefty big page issue. Uh, and some people might have picked this up, not picking up that issue and gone, wait a minute, Peter is like awake and doing okay? What happened? Well, it turns out the, the dot BEY issues, despite the previous one not really counting, this past one was really substantial in that it showed Aunt May and Dr. Octopus basically reviving Peter. So, Mark, let's give some quick thoughts on that issue before we get into this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, very quickly, I mean, like, I, I actually liked this issue a lot and, and I you know, you kind of prepared me because you I think before I read it said something to the tune of oh man there's there's something that happens at the end of this one that really should have gone in the main book and I kind of said to myself oh I bet you Peter is revived and and lo and behold I was correct I agree that that was not I don't think this was the right placement to do something like that but also a well-executed story is well executed and I, I I liked the dynamic of of May and Otto here and Otto kind of walking that line of trying to help but Still being Otto and screwing things up in his own unique way.
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought th- I thought the depiction of Otto was a little silly, but I, it could just be that like this is a very much changed Otto Octavius. So I'm like trying to adjust from like my years of superior and the the richness that was brought to that character that has suddenly been regressed back to his like pre superior form. So like I find this version of him a little bit silly at this point, but I thought it was a really fun story. I mean, do I see aunt May is kind of getting herself involved in a caper like this? Not really, but like it was fun and you know, a good fun story outweighs any of my like major complaints. You know, it, it's kind of fun to see these two of all people finding a way to revive Peter I don't think it's terribly thematically on point with beyond and all of that stuff and all the ideas that they've been going into there. But like as a kind of like side adventure, I thought this was fun. And honestly, like you said, more worthy of the amazing Spider-Man singular numbering than issue 82 was, which we'll get into in a moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would just add that. I mean, this, this might've clicked more for me and we've talked about this before on this show. Like, Everything from the bagley cover down to just the, the general tone of the interior kind of reminded me of like mid nineties Otto from the clone saga era, which fits, being that we're kind of in a clone saga of sorts, with Ben being the main character of the book. And I kind of have a soft spot for that version of Otto. I mean, where he was still kind of still kind of a jerk, but like not a complete, you know, sociopath. I mean, you know, he was kind of like, you know, r- rocking that that anti-hero tweener line a bit, not totally, but close. If this is if this is the auto we're going to get now in the post-Superior Universe, I don't mind. I, I kind of, you know, was hoping we wouldn't necessarily get a return to like that, like you know ramita ramita lee era of Otto, or is this everything he's just trying to blow everything up all the time i don't know i i, I you know that gets tiresome too so I, it, it worked for me yeah i agree is it totally realistic no but i think if anyone is going to kind of pull peter out of the mess he's in i i i do kind of love like the irony of of a may auto team up being what what gets him out I don't know It's just good it, it, There's some good Storytelling there And I felt that For the most part They pulled this This issue off pretty well
0: Yeah and we're getting A return to the Auto storyline In issue 84 So it doesn't feel Like it's just something That existed in a Pocket universe You know Despite Peter waking up The auto thing Will still have Ramifications And he seems to be Coming like a major Player in the Beyond saga So like in that regard I, I appreciate the kind of Through line that is established by this issue. You know, if you haven't read 80.bey, I recommend you go out to your comic shop and see if you can pick it up because it's a substantial chapter in this Beyond storyline, even though it wasn't given a substantial chapter title. Yeah, I thought it was good. I'm not gonna give it a rating because we are reserving that for our main titles. So let's talk about issue 82, which I think, on the other hand, I think I put in my notes here, this is just a bad bad issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And I like I don't think this is offensive in the way that we've like given some of our F books that we've rated over the years, but it's like oh boy this like this just it was a signal alarm for me of oh my gosh the beyond chap like storyline is really losing its thread.
1: Uh 100%. I mean this is the, you know we, we we talked about it last episode the chinks in the armor have been showing now for a couple of issues. And, and this was kind of, you know, we've gone from chinks to having a hole blown through the armor here. Like this is, this is very concerning about where this creative team ultimately wants to go here. Cause like, you know, we went from, well, you know, we're, we're repetitive and, you know, it doesn't feel like we're cohesively pulling the story forward to like what, what is the purpose of this story like what are we what are we trying to accomplish here like like this really you know this there's one thing when there's a one and done but you still kind of feel like it advances something but this is just like this this reads like like a, a a backup in an annual that doesn't really have a connection to anything either like this is just like totally random like i mean this could have been an alt universe story for all i knew like it just felt so out of left field
0: yeah. And it comes down to a number of things like, you know, I was excited to get Forna's art on this book because I've really liked his art in other stuff. And for the first half of this book, I was really digging it that this kind of more subdued kind of horror themed, you know, art, art in this book, you know, and I think his art is pretty solid throughout. It's just so random that the issue where we bring Peter back finally is, we completely changed genre for Spider-Man into a horror book. And that is purely editorial that allowed that to happen. You know, like that, that this is how they chose to mark Peter's return. And it's not even that it's like just a horror book. It's a really poorly written horror book. Like it's so random that there will be an orderly killing people off in this hospital. There's been no foreshadowing of this. But then the resolution to it is as absolutely pat or as like as much of a shrug as you could get in, in a book like this. This is just like I'm not this is not to attack Ahmed, but like this is not a one and done story like this is like half of a story that we're mm-hmm. getting here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know what else to add to the general Thoughts beyond that. I mean, like, yeah, this is like it. It, it suddenly reads like a like a very random Stanley-authored um, horror book from the early '60s. Hence my strange tales joke earlier on. It, it just felt so random. Like you said, no foreshadowing, no real connection. And you know, like, you, you, not to jump ahead, but then you know, frankly, when you get to the next issue and how Peter's recovery is treated, you're kind of like, why couldn't we have just gotten that as Peter's first issue back you know what I mean because this, this just feels you know similar to what we said last episode like a wasted opportunity of, of of a kind of seminal moment for this character here kind of warping it into this weird horror book with this random character who we know nothing about and having him kind of get bailed out by his girlfriend I, I, I don't know it just seemed weird to me <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, like, look, I like MJ as a character and I like that her relationship to Spider-Man is what it is at this point in time. I don't think this really has anything unique to say about that in in any way. And, and really like, I mean, I don't know what to say to an editorial team that makes this the primary issue, but the 80 dot B E Y, a dot B E Y issue like like if there was ever a use of the dot B E Y or the one, it should be for experiments like this, where you do something completely thematically different than the rest of the book, where you do something tonally different. Like this is the, the essence of inessential Spider-Man stories right here. Like it has nothing to do with the story that we've been getting. And honestly, I thought that the cover told a better story in line with Spider-Man than the interior of this book did I mean it's a brilliant cover It got me so hyped for this issue To see like you know This panel's being used on the cover Tell this story Like yeah, cool Like what does Peter do in a hospital bed if, if like a criminal breaks in And he still feels responsible I buy that But a like, cannibalistic monster That lives in the base, basement of the hospital What? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And let's uh, let, let's also add I mean, you know, we've known from the beginning with Beyond that it was a, a, a finite number of chapters, we knew when this is going to end. So the fact that this was kind of programmed into that, I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, like like we we they're they're programming padding into this, you know? Like this this wasn't like Oh, we're going to we, we now have decided to extend this arc another three months because we haven't. I mean, we've known from the beginning how long this was going to be. And this was so like you're, you're if you're if you're scripting padding into a storyline, then that does not give me a lot of promise for how this broader storyline is going to end.
0: Yeah, right. Well, they said in issue one that they had increased it to 19 issues because there was just 19 stories worth of content they had to tell. And I think that that myth Has really been dismissed By over the past few issues This feels like we're just getting padding As we tread water between The offerings from Wells and Gleason You know like those are going to be The stuff with the actual content in it It seems like
1: That and that they knew that They needed to make it to March Before they could get a, a full time Creative team on here And so they just had to do it That's all Which is just disappointing I don't know That's all
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, we don't know the deal, you know, behind uh, Nick Spencer's, you know, sudden departure. So like that might just be the situation that they found themselves in. Then again, they just released four books in December and I don't think we needed that, you know? So like, take a time out if you need to. And maybe, maybe they can't, maybe there are financial reasons they need to put this book out to keep everybody with their jobs. And I, I appreciate that, but like at least then consider making this a B.E.Y., you know, and I, I know that we're like belaboring the labeling of this, you know, maybe a little bit too much, but it just seems like kind of just weird decisions being made left and right.
1: Yep. One thing that wasn't I thought weird on this was the pairing of Jorge Fornes on this book. What you, What'd you think about the art that he did on this, Dan?
0: I mean, I I really like his his artwork and uh, Dan Brown the colorist their li- that limited color palette like if Spider Man was a horror book or they had <laughs> in some way built up to that this would have been the perfect pairing you know it it is like I, I love the kind of intimate very constructed paneling uh, of this issue that builds in that creepy horror dread. Like I don't love the monster design when we do get into the basement, but like all of the kind of like Peter in bed stuff and the different colors, the blue and reds that alternate in his kind of different heightened states of, of fear, that stuff all really worked for me. And I can't knock the artist because he delivered exactly what he was asked to do.
1: This is not a, not a Gothic horror book, but I feel like, Fornes hit the, hit the tone right visually. So I mean, great job on a book that shouldn't have been this way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you reconcile that, but you know, like you know, it, it, it was interesting to see this art, but not necessarily interesting to see this story. Does that sound fair, Dan?
0: <laughs> That's absolutely fair. You know, um, although in the Slack there are a lot of people that are defending this book. And look, if you, if you feel differently than we do, great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. This was just not one for me. Yeah, but Mark, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about the Slack?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're someone who identifies with people who are positive about this story, you can join the hundreds of listeners like you that hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on the Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more.
0: Yeah, I hang out in there every day. Uh, Like I said, we've been talking about this issue. One of the other things we've been talking about, and it's really hard not to, is we've been discussing Daredevil comics. Because I feel like in the heart of every good Spider-Man fan is a Daredevil fan. These characters just fit so well together. And, you know, we've got Devil's Reign going on right now, which is really excellent. And that Zdarsky Daredevil run is so good. We've been talking about our favorite Daredevil comics. So, uh, Mark, we just don't, we don't just talk about Spider-Man comics in there. You
1: are multifaceted in that slack.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think people are asking us to create a Daredevil podcast. And as much as I would love to do that, if I had a, a separate version of myself that could handle that workload. I think you and I both share a love of daredevil. If you want to join our awesome Spider-Man and sometimes daredevil community, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. Once you're there, let us know what you thought of of this new episode and and this comic. Maybe you feel similarly or different to us. So let's get back to our review of uh, this issue, Mark. Let's talk about MJ a little bit.
1: Yeah, I know we touched upon this a few minutes ago, Dan, but I, I, I just felt it was kind of worth coming back on its own little bullet point here, which was just her depiction in this and kind of like her her assertiveness and heroism here. And, and look, like, I love MJ. And I love that, that like, for a while now, she has been depicted as someone who is not a damsel in distress. That's not what I'm suggesting. You know, this is not where this is going. I'm not saying why is she, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I, it, it, this felt like a very hollow treatment of the return of Peter here that like he immediately found himself in a predicament and it took MJ kind of randomly saving the day here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like it's not like she was. Yeah, she she outsmarted the monster. Where he was kind of t- he was the damsel in distress, basically. You know what I mean? Like like and, and it just it, I don't know. Like to me, like and, and not to jump ahead, but especially versus what we got literally one comic later with the Gleason issue. It just to me like reading these kind of in 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 concert with each other. I was like, I don't know. Like this just felt like re- a real poor use of anything. And, and as you even said to a few minutes ago, like it's not like it really. Moved MJ's character ahead differently or changed her relationship to Peter. It was just, it was just a moment that they just threw in there because, because, you know, it was a because moment.
0: It works for me that, you know, we've seen her step into this role of hero time, you know, time and time again. I love the artwork that Fornes did with her. She looks like a Romita era MJ. And I, and I, I love seeing that, but yeah, it, it there's no, it's not even that, like, I want her relationship to change with Peter, But it's like, let's see the unique wrinkles that like this situation can bring forth, you know, which is to say, like, how does she feel about stepping into the hero role or being Peter's caretaker? You know, there might be something interesting to explore there. But instead, we just kind of got monster of the week and her turning on a light switch to save him. It it, it just uh, there's nothing I could take away from this and go. Remember when that story decided to like. Look into this aspect of the character uh, There's just nothing really That interesting going on here
1: And speaking of not interesting, what do you think about Colleen Wing, Misty Knight, and the Lizard in this issue Dan?
0: (laughs) I mean, I just do Not care about these characters Especially after that B.E.Y. issue That didn't do anything with them And like pairing them with a character As mishandled as the Lizard doesn't really get me all that encouraged either. I mean like what is up with the lizard? He's just an animalistic character again. I thought last we saw him he was like doing fine as as the lizard with Dr. Connor's brain. now he's in the sewers again. like I cannot chart. The one thing about the lizard is he's inconsistently consistently inconsistent.
1: Yes, I think that's fair, yeah
0: (laughs) I mean, is he still made out of brain material? No, he's not, definitely not So, like, this does not get me excited in any way And, like, you know, this is where maybe they, like Oh, wait a minute, Kurt got split with the lizard, didn't he? So this is the animal, what am I talking about? Like, but again, this is the lizard for you. Like, right, I, I right. can't you, even you, keep you, up with you it. You have
1: to, you have to get a Hickman chart together to figure out where he's at right now.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. So whatever. I, again, I'm not. I'm still not
1: interested. But it is what it is. So Dan, this this is shaping up to be one of our shorter reviews of the Beyond Error. Does shorter mean better for the comic? What do you? What, what's your grade?
0: No, this is a D minus. I think I could give this an F, but like I think I would feel it's it's forgettable more than it is offensive. Uh, so this is a, a D minus for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think ever since we kind of crossed the threshold into F uh, the last go around, like we really want to save that those bullets. So I'm I'm with you, D minus here. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, great. Well, as lacking in entertainment and value, we found this issue. If you find our show entertaining and valuable. You know, please consider supporting us, recommending Amazing Spire Talk to a friend, and if you're able, become a member on our Patreon.
1: We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members.
0: Yeah, why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month subscription to support our show and start receiving our Patreon content? That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcasts like this one on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out, instead of waiting for them to arrive in our public podcast
1: feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man for us, which was inked by Brett Breeding depicting Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy.
0: And I hope our patrons have been enjoying those. I've really been loving his uh, Hobgoblin artwork that he did for our Hobgoblin trilogy. I think he had fun drawing the Hobgoblin. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Those have been extra special and very, very nerdy. So uh, that's been a, a lot of fun. You know, we know that the New Year's uh, is a hard time for everybody as it is for us too, setting new resolutions. But maybe one of your resolutions will be to help out our show if you love our show. You know, just listening and sharing is a great first step. But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to support our continued existence so we can keep doing shows like this one. Just follow the link in the description. And again, thank you to all the members who already make these shows possible.
1: But it's that time, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk.
0: Yeah, as always, this episode was edited by Rick Coast. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumser. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. So, Mark until our podcast host company turns out to be run by a cannibalistic monster that is killed by exposing it to any light. What's our motto?
1: Our motto, of course, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next